Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Today. Fantasy Sports Today rolls on. Dan Strafford, George Kurtz with you on this Saturday morning. We will open up the phone lines in the next segment. So uh, coming up after our next break, you can get on the phone, 844-843-6879. So next segment, if you have uh, phone calls you want to make to us, do it then. As always, you can find us over on Twitter at FNTSY Radio and uh, at Dan Trafford, at George Kurtz. Feel free to ask questions over there. Read them here on air and get George's take uh, and mine as we go through. So we continue on here. Week number six, game by game breakdown. Don't forget, you can find uh, George here throughout the weekend, second half of the day tomorrow, giving you updates at the top and bottom of the hour. Also, some analysis thrown in there in college football today coming up at the top of the hour now, 10 o'clock, as they get you set for the day in college football. With that said, we continue on here and look at Seattle and Oakland. This game is in merry old England. That was the game I was referring to earlier on in the show that um, in the past, these games have been at 9, 9.30, sort of island games when it comes to DFS and ones where... If you have uh, lineup transactions and you forget, those players are locked, and that was always terrible when it came to season long. But this game's in line with the 1 o'clock. So you're going to see the game from, uh, I think it's Old uh, Trafford. Is that where this game is? Uh, Seattle and Oakland, uh, where they are playing England. George, it's anecdotal. I'm sure we could look at actual metrics around the games in London, but we've seen turf issues. Uh, We've seen weather issues for some of these teams. Uh, We've seen sloppy football at times in these London games for a variety of reasons. Is that a concern of yours, or or do you sort of put that to the side and take it on its face that it's Seattle, it's Oakland, and, and well, it could be an ugly game because of those two teams, but uh, you take it as a typical NFL game that could be played anywhere in the States? Uh, I think everything you said is correct. (laughs) Yeah, it it concerns me, sure. uh, We have to pay attention to it. Uh, yeah, it rains in England. Shocking. Never heard that before. Uh, so the field's not very good. It comes up very easy, it seems like, well, when, the, when these uh, two teams play. I wish the game was at 9, by the way. I kind of like those morning games. Or 9.30. It's where you, uh, hey, watch a game while you're watching the pre-game shows, doing everything else. I enjoy that. So I have to get up a little earlier. I'll survive. So the fact that it's at 1 takes away some of the, uh, eh, some of the meetings. I won't, I don't know if I'll watch much of this game. Because I do think it's going to be a, uh, a messy game. A block game. Not a lot of, uh, not a lot of sizzle there. I mean, Russell Wilson finally had a good fantasy game last week. I think he could follow it up again this week. Uh, Raiders secondary not very good, so I think he will have a good fantasy game. Doug Baldwin, not starting him. I mean, he was invisible last week. I don't think that knee is healthy. I don't know if it's even close to healthy. Uh, maybe it wasn't part of the game plan, whatever it might be. I mean, if I had Baldwin and Lockett, I'm probably leaning more towards starting Lockett. And he even he's a wide receiver three, wide receiver four at best. Uh, the running game here is Mike Davis. Is it Chris Carson? Does it matter? Uh, I guess the Raiders, yeah, it matters. I'd probably rather have Davis than Carson right now, but it's it's pretty close. I can't see how Marshawn Lynch doesn't score this game. 
You know, you want to believe in the revenge game theory, whatever it might be. I think beast mode might be running a little extra beast mode tomorrow. So uh, he's somebody I certainly want in my lineup there. I, I joked early in the show about Amari Cooper. He does seem to be the even week theory where he play, shows up and plays. So maybe that has a, a good game for you there. Jordy Nelson, Martavis Bryant. They're further down the list here. You can beat the Seattle uh, Seahawks secondary. The Legion of Boom is long gone. It's not there anymore. So I think Jordy Nelson is certainly in play for me as a low-end wide receiver three. Martavis Bryant's more of a uh, flex play. Let's see if he can hit a big play. And I don't know if he can hit it tomorrow in England. Just don't know if that can be done there. Uh, should have had one last week, but he dropped it, which is extremely frustrating for anybody to put up welcome to their lineup. So like I said, Bryant's on my radar, but not someone I'm dying to get in my lineup. Uh, correction for what I said before, this game's at Wembley Stadium uh, this week. So Wembley Stadium, where they've played games before. Listen, I, I like Russ as sort of the the what's called in the industry naked QB here for uh, Seattle with just uh, putting Russ in my lineup and then build uh, other pieces around him. I, I think this is a game where Seattle stays in it and wins it, and I think it's going to be on the length of, of Russell Wilson getting it done the way he's done in the past. Oakland, as you said, uh, the secondary is definitely beatable. I'm with you though on Doug Baldwin. I I don't I don't see it. And listen, week over week sample sizes are dangerous in the NFL. I admit that, and we we react and, and try to project all at the same time to what we're seeing, and then try to figure out the next week's game how it's going to go. But injury is a real concern here, and it, it seems to have been solidified by last week's misuse or, or non-use, I should say, of Doug Baldwin. I, I can't get there, really, in DFS to, to get Baldwin in my lineup. And if I'm in a season-long league, listen, you're a 16-team or an 18-team league, Baldwin's going to be one of your, your best receivers, obviously, the way those rosters shake down. But if you're in a 10- or 12-team league, I think you're going to have other wide receiver options, even waiver options that might be out there who have uh, just as safe a floor uh, and as much upside, if not more so, than Doug Baldwin at present. Now, that could all come to pass and have Baldwin be healthy and have a big week. I just don't see it happening. I don't see uh, the writing on the wall that says that he is in game shape and ready to to make a difference in this matchup. But uh, I'll stay away. I, I think I'm with you there, George, uh, staying away from Doug Baldwin. I love Marshawn Lynch each week because he just gets it done. He's a, a safe floor player uh, from a season-long perspective, giving you uh, a pretty good stat line week in, week out. Outside of that, uh, probably not much going on here for this game for me from DFS. We'll, we'll go position by position at the end of the show, give you some uh, look at where our player pool is, and then you can figure out from there where roster construction comes in, uh, both on the sites like DraftKings and FanDuel, but also smaller sites that you might be playing on. Uh, let's go next to a game that I honestly didn't know was on the schedule until this morning, until I started doing some some reading uh, on, the game, on the game, simply because doing DFS research, I go position by position first and then look back. And Carolina Washington was not one that popped up for me often. Now, obviously, Cam Newton and Christian McCaffrey are assets when it comes to, <clears throat> excuse me, assets when it comes to fantasy football. And on the other side of the ball, Alex Smith has been proven to not be the quarterback we saw in Kansas City last year. He doesn't have the deep ball accuracy that we thought. That might have been a, a good deal of the talent that was in. Oh, well, it was a good deal of the talent there in Kansas City. What's this game for you? Is it on your radar if you talk uh, from a, a, a games to watch or, or ones that are intriguing to you, George? Or is this one that uh, you might pass over for, for other games? Uh, I mean... 
the Washington Redskins are beat up. I think every player with a pulse outside of Jordan Reed, which is just amazing. I mean, about the, the biggest uh, ironies of the year. It's questionable to play. Adrian Peterson, questionable. Chris Thompson, questionable. James and Crowder, questionable. They're, they're all beat up, and they played Monday night. Uh, I mean, this could be, this could be an ugly game. Uh, what you said about Alex Smith is true. He's reverted back to being checked down Alex, where he's, he's not – it's oh – boy, it's looking worse and worse. There. This contract, they're going to have to sign him for an older quarterback. They're just not going to work out with Smith there. Uh, so there's really nobody I like on Washington, with the exception – listen, if Adrian Peterson plays, it's a running back – I don't like the matchup, but you probably have no choice but to pluck him in there. Uh, maybe a strong at running running back than I am. I do have Peterson in one league, and uh, I'll be thrilled to get him in there. That's how desperate I am at running back. For Carolina, this game fantasy-wise is, is a wasteland. You said it, Newton and McCaffrey. Yeah, absolutely. After that, who? Funches has done very little. Olsen? I mean, can you start, can you start him in your first game back? I think Olsen comes down, who's your other tight end? You know, we played this game earlier with a tight end, who you could start him over. Uh... You know, I already mentioned the guys. Kelsey, Gronk, Graham, Kittle, uh, Reed, Cook, Ebron, Rudolph, Burton. Those are easy starts for me over uh, over Olsen. You know, Brait, I think I'm going Brait. I think I'm going Hooper. I do. So yep. I think Olsen comes down to now you're talking to the Joku, the, the Pittsburgh guys, Ricky Steele's Joe, the same guys before Uzuma. Those are guys I can probably start Olsen over. But uh, I don't know how you feel, Dan. But generally with a guy who's been out, Long term, by long term, I probably mean at least three to four weeks, unless it's a superstar, and Olsen's not a superstar anymore. I like to see him play a game first, you know, before I plug him in there and just assume he's going to be back. What if he's limited tomorrow? What if that he hurt himself against the Cowboys? He got hurt in the first quarter. That was the first game back. He had all off season to rehab this injury. Now he's going to be back in a couple of weeks. I don't like it. I just don't like it at all for Olsen. I hope he's back. I truly, I have him in the league, so I. It'd be nice if I could start him next week, but I, I just don't trust him enough long-term here. The only person I trust in North Carolina is just Cam and McCaffrey. That's it. Uh, I'm with you with Cam and McCaffrey. I will not be on Olsen. I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you from an analysis perspective, and it's, it's, I'm sure there are metrics out there we could look at the first game back, but the specific injury, and without knowing that he's a full go, that he's going to be out there for the snaps we've seen from Greg Olson in the past, he's getting older, too. This isn't a guy that's 24 and, and going to bounce right back. So I, I am concerned about his uh, targets here. I'm uh, con- uh, concerned about how many snaps he's going to see. And I think this is a game that, because of how beat up Washington is, that I think Carolina can control the line of scrimmage pretty well with Cam and Christian McCaffrey, that they're not going to need Olsen. I know it's a, a, a minus one in favor of, of Carolina. I don't see this game being that close. Uh, 44 over under. I just see Carolina controlling this one and, and getting it done on the ground, using Christian McCaffrey where they can, and Cam picking up a couple of rushing touchdowns. Um, as always, Cam's Cam's a beast when, when it comes to fantasy sports. I know people will detract against him when it comes to the NFL, but for, for fantasy purposes, uh, he, he is uh, an absolute menace on the field. So um, I, I, I see Carolina handling this one pretty well. So I wouldn't want Olsen just for simply – obviously, George, you said it. You said it time and time again. Tight end's tough. If you're out of options, you're on a bye, you're doing whatever. Um, I just – think there are enough options that are are available to you that I'd stay away from Olsen uh, on this week. Uh, a game that maybe I'll check out, but I just it's not one that was on my radar at all. Uh, we make our way into the four o'clocks here, and this is a juicy one. I, I love 
I, I'm not alone in this. The Los Angeles Rams. It's so good to see Cooks and, and Cup uh, both making their way back from concussion. They're supposed to be cleared today from everything I've read uh, that they should pass the protocol and be available. They both practice on Friday. The the trio of Woods, Cook, uh, Cooks, and Cup are just uh, Cooks and Cup. Is that like a cooking show, you think? Or is that a buddy cop show? Like, what what is that? Uh, I'm trying to figure it out. Cooks and Cup. Cooks and Cup. We, we, I think we go to a buddy cop show, right? Cooks and Cup. You know, they, they right. take down the bad guys. They, uh, you know, they strike fear into the hearts of criminals. Uh, <laughs> Cooks and Cup. Uh, listen, they're both going to play. Uh, they both passed uh, concussion. Uh, Concussion protocol, they'll both be in there. So the question comes down to Dan. Does this possible snow in Denver worry you tomorrow? I, You know, it's what, uh, 29 and snowing or 32 and snowing. I, I guess it should. I guess three inches of snow isn't that bad over the course of a game when you think of how, how much it accumulates. But it probably should at least raise some flags when it comes to shallower leagues and DFS that may be not, it may not be the best conditions to get that offense humming, that this might be a game where it is girly, uh, where it is more run game oriented and, and they try to grind it out, keep the ball out of the air. But I just, I don't see it being a real factor. It's not like there are high wins. I think wind is the biggest factor when it comes to quarterbacks. There have been studies on it by people much smarter than me about uh, what wind gusts really do affect games and how rain and and snow aren't really the biggest detriment to what they're doing. Um, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say I'm not overly concerned for it. DFS, I might take that into consideration. Season long, though, you start your studs here, and I think you're starting these wide receivers. Agreed. Uh, pretty much everything you, everything you said, I agree with there. I think it was, we're talking six to eight inches where it's going to be snowing the whole time. They can't see down the field. I might feel differently, but two to three, they should be able to play through with that much of a problem. Uh, wind is always a concern, and generally for those wondering, I, I get worried above 18 miles an hour. I think that's when the uh, – when you, unless you're Patrick Mahomes, then maybe it's 70 miles an hour because this guy can throw it through anything. But uh, I, I'm okay with starting Cup, Cooks, uh, Woods, and everybody else in the passing game tomorrow. I know I I'd left somebody out there. Cup, Woods, Cooks. There you go. I forgot my second half of my criminal, uh, my criminal defense. So um, <laughs> I, uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm going to start these guys without much worry here. Uh, I'm not, I'm not all that concerned uh, that they won't be able to move the ball or that Cook, uh, Cook and Cups for that matter that they're going to need to. Cups. Yeah, I'm going to screw it. Now you got me thinking of this old cr- crime show here <laughs> and uh, can't get the name straight. Uh, that Cooks and Cup uh, will get re-injured. I'm not going to worry about that all that much. We saw the Jets uh, have be able to hit the big pass in the secondary. I see no reason why the Rams can't do it tomorrow either. I said I will keep an eye on the weather to make sure it doesn't change where it is going to be a blizzard. All of a sudden the winds are going to whip up at 30 miles an hour or something like that. That could change my thinking. But as of right now, Everything, as I normally would work with the Rams, works. They all start here, and I love watching games in the snow. Yes, there's something uh, something inviting about it, especially when you don't have to be out in it. <laughs> when you watch it on your HDTV, uh, that is a different scenario. Uh, Steve actually asked uh, on Twitter the, the question I was going to ask next of the Denver backfield. Are, do you see a clear-cut Freeman or Lindsey, what, what makes sense, or do you see this as a continuing week over week? We get what we get, and... We we figure it out from there. 
it's frustrating because if you're a Freeman owner, Freeman needs volume. He's that type of running back that will be better in the second half as he, as he wears defenses down. But he's not getting that chance because Lindsey is playing so well. And I don't think it changes. I don't. I think. Uh, I mean, Lindsey. I don't want to say he's a game changer because that that's a little probably a little overboard there. But he's hitting big plays and he's playing well. You're not going to go away from him. I think at first we might have thought it's a ah. You know, uh, flash in the panel, go away after a couple of weeks. Well, it's not. He's still doing damage there. Uh, so I think this hurts Freeman's value some. I do, because I think he's the type of runner who needs 18, 20 touches, wear the defense down. And he's not going to get that. He's getting half that. Uh, he is getting scores here. So he's still in running. He's still in flex territory there, low end running back, too. Probably so is Lindsey. Uh, it's annoying, but it's the NFL. It's the running backs. A lot of teams do th- things like this. You're starting both, but they're low end running back, too, is flex players. Yeah, and you hope for the upside somewhere in there that maybe you get a little bit more volume from the guy you're starting. But it's it's becoming that league, and fantasy needs to adjust. And you you see it with you know the zero RB ideas. But if you're in this world, you're you're going to have to take what you can get. As uh, my wife often says, uh, when teaching, you get what you get, and you don't get upset. So uh, hopefully Freeman and Lindsay don't upset you too much on this Sunday. We have more to go here on fantasy sports today. A few more games to talk about. We'll touch on all of them, and then we'll talk DFS in the final segment. Phones are opening up. 888-844-843-6879. Give us a call in the next segment here on Fantasy Sports Day. Dan Strafford, George Kurtz, coming back with more after this. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. The DailyRoto.com NBA lineup optimizer is now available. That means that you can use the same tools and projections that DailyRoto.com NFL premium subscribers are using to win each week for NBA DFS contests that start next week. We told you about the premium subscribers winning hundreds of dollars each night using the DailyRoto.com lineup optimizers. We told you about the subscribers winning thousands and tens of thousands of dollars. The ones taking down tournaments like Colin Drew winning hundreds of thousands. Now DailyRoto.com has produced seven separate FanDuel and DraftKings million-dollar tournament winners. If you're playing Daily Fantasy Sports and you aren't using the DailyRoto tools, projections, and optimizers, you're doing it wrong and you're at a competitive disadvantage. So go to DailyRoto.com, click on Go Premium, enter the promo code FNTSY for a special discount and start winning today. That's DailyRoto.com, click on Go Premium, enter the promo code FNTSY for a special discount and start winning today. Uh, We continue on here on Fantasy Sports Today, getting ready for week number six in the National Football League. Up next, George, are you buckled in? Are you ready to talk about your Dallas Cowboys? Oh, sure. Can't wait. Jacksonville and Dallas on tap next. Uh, It's the Blake Bortles experience, which is actually the name of my 80s synth rock band. But the Blake Bortles experience here for the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, against the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas at home. uh, Jaguars 3-2 overall. Dallas 2-3. 
NFC East is open. Uh, obviously, a, a, a division that uh, will be a team that is either nine and seven, maybe ten and six on the year. Uh, could see an eight and eight team if these teams continue to beat each other up. Uh, Dallas not dead quite yet, uh, but has shown some serious warts uh, both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. This is a, an intriguing one where I feel like there's some upside uh, for some pieces here, but not necessarily a game that I think has a ton for us from a fantasy perspective. What say you, George? See, I don't think there's much uh, offensive upside here. For, uh, one, well, we know there's no offensive upside on Dallas, right? It's Once again, like the Buffalo Bills, it's Ezekiel Elliott and leave me alone. All right, you're starting Elliott here. You don't, you don't have a choice. That being said, I expect the Jaguars to do the same exact thing Houston did, and that is sell out. Let's stop Ezekiel Elliott, see if anybody else can beat us, and the answer is no. Uh, there's no one else there, so that's what I expect them to do. As for the Jaguars are concerned, it's this simple. I think they know the only way we lose this game is if we let Blake Bortles run wild, and he makes mistakes. You know, he's throwing interceptions, he's getting sacked, he's yep. fumbling, that sort of thing. Other than that, they, they know that the Dallas can't score on them, at least not consistently. I mean, really, if everything went well for Dallas, what did they score, 17 points Sunday? And that's if everything goes well. So I think the Jaguars know this. I think they'll play a conservative. Sort of, you know, let's get in there, get our win, and get out. You know, no reason to do anything silly here. Uh, I think that's how it's going to be, and they'll win this game 17-9, something, something silly like that. Dallas got a couple of field goals here. I know it's at home for Dallas. They'll try and put on a show, and I think they'll try and do some things. Uh, it just won't work. You know, it won't. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars are, if not the best defense in the NFL, one of them here. Dallas has all sorts of issues here. So, as far as Jacksonville is concerned, I mean, I don't think Bortles is a play this week. They don't. Uh, the running T.J. Yelton is a play. I don't think I'll have a monster game, mind you. Dallas is very good against the run, but he's a, uh, obviously a running back one. You're playing him. Uh, really, that's about it. You want to try, even under the best of conditions, trying to guess which receivers the breakout one for uh, Jacksonville each week. You know, is it Westbrook? Is it Cole? Moncrief? Uh, it's not fun. It's just not. And Dallas has a Decent pass defense, not great. Decent, but as I said, I just don't think Jacksonville's going to try and break the bank here. I think they know they've got this game won unless they turn the ball over, you know, time and time again. And then again, Dallas is not big on turnovers anyway. I believe they only have four this season. So uh, I, I expect this game, fantasy-wise, to be pretty damn boring. Uh, I hear you. I, I think it was Yeldon and Ezekiel Elliott who caught my eye a little bit here. But to your point, uh, both defenses pretty solid against the run uh, on the year. Dallas is actually ranked fifth uh, for rushing DVOA on the season. Jacksonville at seventh. So it's going to be more a volume play than anything between those two running backs uh, trying to get some upside on, on a significant amount of carries. So if, if you believe it's 17 to nine or something in that ballpark, an over under 41 seems like an under bet. Could, I, we've talked about how you know under bets are the worst thing in, in betting because you have to wait till the final whistle uh, to really claim victory. But uh, is that intriguing at all? Or is that number feel right where you feel like 41 is is within the realm of possibilities? It's such a low number. I mean, think about it, 41. Uh, but I already said 17, nine, I mean, I'm not even coming close to 41. I think the only way that gets beat is you'd have to have some returns. You know, uh, whether it's a, f- a fumble return, interception return for touchdowns, or a lot of turnovers in this game. And I don't know if we're going to get I said I think Jacksonville plays it close to the vest. So I don't think that you're going to get it from there. And Dallas doesn't throw the ball enough, really, to get uh, these kind of turnovers. So, uh, no, I, I don't think – I'll take the under. If I had to, I would take the under. I just don't – but honestly, I'm a Cowboy fan. How are they scoring? How are they scoring? Someone tell me how they're going to score touchdowns. I, it's not there. It's just not there. They don't have any kind of passing game going. 
Jacksonville is one of the best defenses, and you know they're going to they're going to take Elliott out of the game. Well, do their best to take Elliott out of the game. And this Cowboy offensive line is not the best in the league. It's not close to the best in the league. It may not be average. I mean, it's not what we were hoping it would. As a Cowboy, we were hoping it would be. It's not. You know, so it's not that they can control the game that way. I would definitely take the under. Yes. Why hasn't Rashard Matthews signed with the Cowboys yet? Why hasn't like, he signed with anybody? Well, that, there's that, and maybe there's something more to this story, and, and we don't know it for whatever reason. But he seemed like once that happened, I assumed the Cowboys would be, and I mean, I know the Browns are linked to almost every wide receiver that's out there, but it felt like the Cowboys were going to be a natural landing spot for him. Just, uh, but haven't heard anything about it, haven't even heard them rumored to have brought him in, let alone yeah, like for I a. That's it. Seems pretty crazy with the the lack of depth and a lack of actual talents for for the Cowboys. How do they score, George? They score off interceptions. I think you made the point. If if Bortles is, you know, slinging it around for one reason or another here, and Cowboys can be opportunistic, get some uh, interceptions on the plus side of the field for them. You give Elliott the ball or or pick six return. That's the only way I see them getting in the end zone. It, and beyond that, I don't think they're they're scoring much here. So I think when it comes to Rashard Matthews. Uh, two things come to mind. Uh, one is, as far as n- no one signing him, I haven't done any deep dive into this, but, you know, Dan, when was the last time a receiver became available uh, that, that we think is a decent receiver midseason who did something? You'd have to go into a new team. Yep. You'd have to learn the offense. You'd have to have chemistry at the quarterback. And maybe he wants too much money. For team, you know, this is not Antonio Brown or someone like this. This is Rashard Matthews, a wide receiver too, and NFL wide receiver too. So maybe teams just don't want to go. It's, it's week six. By the time we get about the party, now he took it's week eight, week nine. He wants this amount of money, and we don't know if he's going to have any kind of chemistry. And uh, that's why I think as far as the NFL. With the Cowboys, I think it's pretty much uh, Jerry Jones' ego. He signs Rashard Matthews. He's admitting that they screwed up. You know, by not, uh, I'm not saying by uh, releasing Dez, but by not getting somebody else in there. And I think that plays a big part with Jerry Jones, not to admit he screwed up. I think that's why you know, they stay with things way too long, think the coach. You know, that sort of thing. He hates to admit he made a mistake, which he, of course, he makes over and over and over and over again. <laughs> It's so tough, and at least as like a Jets fan or any other NFL franchise, you can hate ownership or hate the general manager. Um, here, you have to do both. Like you, you have to deal with <laughs> that he owns the team and is the general manager, and thus, like, there's no escaping him. Like, there's no like, oh, maybe he'll sell the team, or maybe the general manager will overwrite him, or 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 will say something that will convince him otherwise. He looks himself in the mirror and says, "Hey, Jerry, you made the right choice." You, you made the right choice. Uh, that's have, rough. I, I have immense respect for Jerry as far as he'll spend any amount of money to win. Oh, sure. I truly, truly believe he wants to win. He's not one of these owners pocketing money and looking you know, just to get paid. He wants to win. He just, uh, he's just terrible at going about it. I mean, you're not a football man. No matter how, what you think you are, you're not. I mean, no. it, you think about it. The Cowboys, when they were, uh, when they were great, it was Jimmy Johnson. All his doing because he knew all the college players. And then they got bad for a while. And then they hired Bill Parcells. He turned that organization around again. And once again, they became not great, but a good team. But he's going back to these coaches where, I swear, if you look behind, you can see the, uh, you know, the, the strings that Jerry Jones has on Jason Garrett because he, he wants to coach the team. If Jerry could coach the team, he would coach the team. But instead, he does the next best thing. He controls everything else. And that's why the Cowboys, I don't think, will ever be good again as long as he's in control of the team. 
Yep. I think uh, unless he trusts a general manager at some point while he's the owner or moves on for one reason, what you're not seeing his identity is the Dallas Cowboys. Um, you're not going to see a team that makes the playoff. I, it's just, it's rough. And especially when, right. Like, yeah, the NFL is such a variant league that one year out of seven or eight, you'll, you'll see them pop in, but it's just a team that's not going to be built correctly. And that's a, a major, major problem uh, when it comes to the NFL. So uh, they have Ezekiel Elliott um, and he's a talent, but that offensive line just isn't getting it done. And, you don't have much else beyond that. So it's a, a I I feel bad to an extent until I realize and remember I am a Jets fan. So uh, let's continue <laughs> on here. Uh, Baltimore oh, by and the way, tennis. Well, one more point about the Dallas. I know you said you got some Twitter fights this week about Barkley. So did I, by the way. It just was yes. a natural thing. Uh, I'm actually, uh, I didn't want Dallas to draft uh, Elliott when he came up. Of course. You know, I, I, I thought it was a mistake. Same same theory. You don't draft a running back early. You can wait on a running back and still get a good one. No, it was nothing against Elliott, but I did want Jalen Ramsey. We had also heard at that time uh, and during that draft, that was at the fourth pick, that uh, they were there was a trade scenario. for the, I don't know what they would have gotten in return, but that for them to move down to sixth, but they wouldn't do it. And I thought that was completely insane. I think they thought that the team that was moving up, which might have been Baltimore, I think they thought that uh, uh, Baltimore was going to take Elliott. And it ended up being Baltimore wasn't moving up to take Elliott. They think they were moving up to take uh, Ramsey. And that uh, Dallas probably still would have gotten Elliott because whoever was picking five didn't need a running back. So another screw-up by Jerry Jones. That he wanted Elliott so much that he wouldn't risk losing him to move down two spots to get a windfall of picks. And uh, like I said, uh, I, I just don't think you take a running backs early in a, in a draft. So I wouldn't have taken Elliott either. I would have taken Ramsey if he was there. Uh, at that point, Dallas had no secondary. And uh, they, you know, I think it was what... Darren McFadden came up with a good season, the great yep. uh, offensive line. I think they could have plugged in another running back there or drafted one with third round and see what, what could have happened there. I just don't think you draft a running back early in today's game. No, uh, and that's the the fight. And I, I, People listening have heard it and read it over and over again. And listen, Saquon Barkley could be a generational talent. Ezekiel Elliott could be a generational talent. And I, I don't begrudge people for thinking that and saying, oh, maybe – we got it right um, after the fact, you know, results oriented saying we got Barkley and we made the right decision. But the problem is that one, the cap hit, and I'm not a capologist, but the cap hit you take in taking someone like uh, a Barkley or Ezekiel at the running back spot, the way current rosters are constructed in the NFL, not getting a quarterback on a rookie contract who you trust um, are both big misses. I was a proponent of the Giants trading back. I wasn't saying they should have taken Darnold. Get more assets, get more picks, get more lottery tickets. That's what the NFL draft is. It's a bunch of lottery tickets. Some of them hit, some of them miss. It's what the uh, New England Patriots do so well. They amass picks and make smart picks. Some of them don't pan out for the Pats, but they just get more and more of them. The issue I have with Barkley and with Elliott are different, though. Ezekiel Elliott went into the best situation with that offensive line. To George's point, they could have put anyone back there. And had a thousand yard rusher. Anybody, any, uh, not me, but any running back in the NFL could have had a very good season behind that offensive line. With Saquon Barkley, he talked about it. It's just, it blows my mind that people thought he would help the Giants win window, that, that that was talent enough to help Eli stay relevant for the next couple of years. Now, if they drafted him with the mind that they're going to tank this year anyway and get a quarterback this season, Fine, uh, fine, and that that wasn't discussed, and maybe they they didn't tip their hand, and Gettleman's playing chess while we all play checkers. But um, 
I just I'm blown away by revisionist history and and Giants fans saying, oh, we got the generational talent. He's Barry Sanders 2.0. That's a little aggressive for me. And I think running backs, uh, Drew Dinkmeyer, who's over at DailyRoto.com, read that promo earlier, had a great Twitter thread about just the value of it, the, what you're paying for these running backs. And from a draft slot perspective, how much you should be paying when it comes to actual math on the facts. So go check out uh, at, at Drew Dinkmeyer over there on Twitter. He does some some great work. Last game here, uh, as uh, I, I rant slightly, uh, Baltimore and Tennessee, two teams that are three and two. I don't get how the Tennessee Titans are three and two. Um, the, the team has done it with smoke and mirrors with Mariota being slightly injured. Um, we talk about them each week and, and what pieces or non pieces we want from them. And we, we never come back to them being viable. Um, Baltimore has obvious running back by committee issues. Um, you do have some viable wide receivers. though. Michael Crabtree has developed a, a case of the dropsies uh, over the past couple of weeks. I guess some of these wide receivers could be in play for Baltimore. What do you got here? Is this uh, one where you have pieces you like, or or is this mainly uh, a low-scoring affair? Another game I'm not going to watch a lot of. <laughs> I think it's going to be another bo- This is the 4 o'clock games on uh, Sunday. And you got the Cowboys-Jags, not a lot of excitement there. Baltimore-Tennessee, not a lot, a lot of excitement there. I mean, it's going to be some uh, some slog fest here where it's like a... <laughs> There's not a lot to watch here. Uh, watch, watch the snow game in Denver. That's what I'll be doing. Uh, this game. I mean, Derrick Henry, one of the most disappointing fantasy players this season. You know, third, fourth round pick, running back two, who's done nothing. Nil, nada, zilch. Uh, this is not much there. Uh, and you said it, they three and two at Smoke and Mirrors. I think it's absolutely true. And they lost the game against Miami in that, you know, the, the seven-hour game in week one. What do we like here? I mean, when you look at Tennessee, what do you like? Mariota? No. Still wearing the sleeve on the uh, the hand, so the elbow's not quite there yet. You're certainly not starting him, not in one quarterback leagues. Uh, Deion Lewis? Yeah, I like Deion Lewis. That's worked out well. PPR leagues, no problem with Deion Lewis. And that may be it. Corey Davis? He's going to see a lot of Jimmy Smith. Not, not the easiest of matchups there. You're probably starting him. Wide receiver three for me this week. Uh, Baltimore? Flacco's not a streaming play. Collins? Okay, running back two, uh, Buck Allen, Javarius Allen. Uh, sort of the same thing there, but not sexy. Not any kind of really high upside here. Tennessee has a good defense. This is a slogfest game. I think it's one of those games, you know, 2017, 21, 20, somewhere around there. You mentioned Crabtree. You know, he can't catch the ball all of a sudden. John Brown, if he hits the big play, he'll have a big game. If he doesn't, he won't. I don't think he hits it this week. It's going to be a... Uh... It's going to be an ugly one. <laughs> I don't know how else to say. It just seems like a game that is going to be uh, pretty unruly, pretty bad. And I, I, I like the call. Watch the snow game. Like, just enjoy football uh, in its purest form, in the, in the driven snow. Um, not this one. This is going to be an ugly one. Uh, one I'll stay away from. Uh, one that uh, is uh, 42 over under. Uh, sounds about right. That, that feels like the, the under could push a little bit there. But 42 feels about right. A game I'll stay away from because I don't want to have to watch it. That is for sure. Um, <laughs> I mean, that not that what it comes down to, though, with wagering and with fantasy? It's like you, we have our favorite teams, and you asked me the question of has fantasy changed my my fandom? But we want to be invested in good games. It's like buying a movie ticket. You're not going to go watch a bad movie. You're investing your time and your money. You want to know it's going to be good or you're going to enjoy it. It's the same with fantasy. I'm not going to bet on a game that I have no desire to watch. I'm not going to play fantasy. Well, you know, maybe you pick one or two guys in fantasy. You don't ignore games. But it, it's just, it's pretty, 
pretty terrible. Anyway, uh, we will talk about the 8 o'clock game uh, because it's a fun one with uh, the Chiefs and the Pats. We want to uh, talk about that a bit in the final segment and then talk some daily fantasy, uh, some wagers overall, some overall news in the NFL. We'll take a look, make sure we cover off on any injuries that we didn't touch on uh, here over our two hours. College football today also coming up at the top of the hour. Dan Strafford, George Kurtz here with you on Fantasy Sports Today. Don't forget, you can always find us over on Twitter at FNTSY Radio. Again, at FNTSY Radio. Ask your questions over there. We'll be happy to read them on air. At Dan Stravitt, at George Kurtz as well. Coming back with more on Fantasy Sports Day on the other side of this break. Like a great pass rusher, the Roto Experts will help you sack your fantasy football competition. When you register for their exclusive Edge Fantasy Package, you get a cheat sheet generator plus a player database with sortable projections and rankings from the best in the business. And you can join the fantasy conversation in the 24-7 Slack chat channel. Visit rotoexperts.com to register for the exclusive Edge Fantasy Package and enter the promo code FNTSY and you get a 10% discount. That's the rotoexperts.com exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package promo code FNTSY. Oh, this is amazing. Uh, we come back here on Fantasy Sports Day. Sean Angle behind the glass, getting it done and uh, making the music happen. So, absolutely amazing. Uh, George, love you, Blue! <laughs> oh, amazing. Amazing. Let's talk God, a little I bit. I this song in the 70s. It, I, I remember, I remember my, uh, my brother, my oldest brother, uh, would play it for me. Uh, he had it on uh, VHS. Uh, at some point, and I don't know how he got it, but he would make me make me listen to it. Um, but anyway, my best friend was an Oilers fan. How? How does that? I, I don't know. He's a weird guy, anyway. But he, uh, he was, yeah, he in honestly, the seventies, like what? In the seventies, this is a guy once, you know. Uh, now you know I'm a smart ass, and uh, I had I, I had uh, not noticed that in the least, George. <laughs> yeah, I know that's so so unusual for me, <laughs> but. Um, this is not the, the uh, a Steelers Oilers game from the seventies. Not those big AFC Championship games, but when they play Steelers and Oilers played a, uh, a game. I think it was late eighties, uh, a game. And uh, I was sleeping at home, lived in the basement there. And you know, everybody would come to my house to watch the games. And uh, he was uh, it was Steelers Oilers, and we had the. I'm not. I'm a Cowboy fan, but we had the whole place dressed up as, as black and gold. We were all wearing some kind of Steelers uh, memorabilia. And he walked in, saw that, and walked out. And it was a <laughs> funny thing. I mean, nobody cared. None of us were Oilers fans. None of us were Steelers fans. We really didn't care, but we were just getting on him just because of, uh, of that. He, he literally walked in, saw all the black and gold, and just left. I'm like, my God, have a sense of humor. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, a buddy of mine was a Steelers fan growing up, which I never quite understood. Grew up in New York himself. Uh, was a Yankees, Knicks, Rangers fan otherwise, but was uh, a, a Steelers uh, fan and grew up in the 80s. It wasn't as if, you know, it was Bradshaw and the Steel Curtain that got him. Um, but for some reason, he, he was a, a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Always interesting, especially now Cowboys fans always make sense. They were on TV all the time and they were, you know, the, America's team and, and made sense for people to root for. It's always funny back then for people to be not fans of their local team. Like there had to be an active decision to go outside of their general area because you just didn't see the team as much. Uh, the national games were different. The regional games were on more and you didn't have red zone. Obviously you didn't have fantasy as high uh, involvement as it is here. So becoming a fan of the Houston Oilers is probably a study in like sociology and psychology that needs to be done because that, that, like, that's, that's a, a choice that needs to be made. 
I'm sure I know the reason because I'm sure I've asked him, but I don't remember uh, why he became an oil fan. But yeah, he he was an oil fan. Uh, this, this is the '70s, you know, uh, when he in, in the '80s, obviously in that uh, Red Zone. Back remember back in the '80s, we were thrilled when that 10 minute ticker came out. Yep, they give you scores every 10 minutes. Uh, and we were thrilled about that. And you you kids today don't realize, you know, we had to watch the Jets and the Colts and the Giants and the Cardinals on Sundays. You'd go insane. Watching those two, uh, you know, Giants and Jets sucked back then. You know, the reason why I'm a Cowboy fan is back in the 70s, Giants and Jets were terrible. My father wasn't a football fan, so I didn't have that. And, you know, if your father's not a fan, Giants and you, the home teams are terrible. You said it. It was either the Cowboys, the Steelers, the Raiders, or the Dolphins. Those were the four hot teams back then. And you generally would gravitate towards one of those. And my family did have a Super Bowl party. And it was during the second Cowboy uh, Steelers Super Bowl, the Jackie Smith game, for those who are wondering why, which game. And my father told me, pick a team. We had like a quarter bet. You know, he didn't care. He didn't, I don't think he knew what his team was. But we picked a team. And I, I was, listen, I was like eight or nine years old. Cowboys were blue and silver. Loved the colors. They had the star on the helmet. You know, that's what I did. You know, yep. That's how, purely how I picked the Cowboys because of how they looked at that age. And it just stuck from there. Well, I, I don't know that I've fully explained how I'm a Jets fan. And this is more embarrassing than probably any story I could tell when it comes to football. Um, growing up, my oldest brother was a Cowboys fan. Uh, my middle brother didn't the hate hates football. He's not uh, doesn't like it. Uh, never watched it. Never rooted for it. So uh, there's no influence there. Uh, most of my friends were Giants fans, uh, but we weren't as as seven eight year olds didn't really watch football. It wasn't where where we all went. We watched baseball mainly. Um, I became a Jets fan because they were green, um, because the color green, uh, and because I was obsessed with Voltron and had an affinity for the character Pidge, who is the short nerdy one of of the Voltron characters. He wore green. And the Jets were green, and so I started rooting for the Jets. And that ha- is how I got entered into one of the worst experiences of my life was because of a cartoon <laughs> I watched growing up. And it's amazing. And that's my daughter, my oldest daughter. We, we live in Massachusetts, so the middle kid is already uh, indoctrinated with TB12 and is becoming a Patriots fan, which, which kills me a little bit inside. But um, my oldest wants to be a Jets fan. Like, she was at the book uh, sale at school, and she brought home a Geno Smith uh, poster. She bought it for a dollar. And I was like, I love you, darling, but you need to understand what you're, you're choosing to be a part of here is one of the most heartbreaking experiences you can have as a sports fan. Follow the Pats. Like, follow a winner. Like, it's okay. <laughs> it's fine. Gotta Daddy's help you kids. Fine. Exactly. You gotta you leave them better than you were, right? That's the idea of being a parent. You leave them in better shape than, than you were when you were living. Um, Put them on I, the right path. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, root for the Browns. Hell, do something besides the Jets. But anyway, um, I do want to talk about that Pats-Chiefs uh, game because this is potentially the game of the year. I, I say that with a little bit of hyperbole and a little bit of exaggeration. But uh, a 60 over under right now 6-0 on Sunday night football and I said it last week and I will continue to hammer it home uh NFL is going through a NBA like renaissance where offense is all we care about uh we're going to continue to see over unders climb I would not be surprised if we start to see some regular 55 through 65 point over unders over the next couple of years and some even that push 70 at some point because I the, the way the rules are going the way the game is going Defense is being hamstrung in how they can play the game. People want touchdowns. Uh, people want to see scoring. 
whether or not we do as like analysts or or uh, more uh, in, intimately involved with football may be a different case. But I think you're seeing that uh, amongst the common fan, um, Joe Q public, when it comes to what they want from the NFL. This game, George, has everything, right? I mean, it has every piece uh, of offense you could want, um, obviously, from the Kansas City side. Uh, both defenses give up a ton of yards, give up a ton of points. Do you see 60 happening here? Do you see this as a, a shootout? Or do you think these two teams figure enough out on defense that maybe it's a little bit more uh, slower pace than we may be expecting? I don't see how either team's going to slow down the other. I mean, the Patriots couldn't slow down the Colts last week. They won the game easily. The game was never in doubt, but they couldn't slow them down. I mean, Andrew Luck still threw for 377 yards or something silly like that. And this is this is a team that had no running game, and their best receivers were out, yet they still had no problem lighting them up. I mean, so how are the Patriots going to stop Mahomes and company? I, I, I don't see it. I just don't. You know, you want to tell me they can do it? Uh, okay, how? You know, I, I no. Uh, it's a cha-ching game. You know, open up the register, points are coming out. You know, I think it's, uh, I think the over is coming in because I don't think the Chiefs can stop New England either. So I think it's pretty much uh, maybe one of those games, the last team to have the ball wins. You know, one of those things, whoever makes the least amount of mistakes, you know, because the ball's going to be in the air a lot. There's going to be points scored here. It's it's a large number. I mean, come on, Dan, 60, that's a large number. But uh, if you, listen, you, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it because I'll, I'll enjoy this game anyway. You know, standalone games, you, you talked about it before the uh, break, how we, uh, you know, I think fantasy was always great because it makes you watch games you normally wouldn't watch, you know, because you have a player in it. Well, it's the same thing with gambling, same thing with putting money on a game. You may put money on a game because, hey, it's a standalone game. I want to watch the game. I want to have something to root for. You know, I'm, I'm not a Pats fan. I'm not a KC fan. But if I put money on the game, all of a sudden I am a Pats fan or a KC fan or maybe just a, you know, a, a, a hater of the other team. But this game, I won't need to do that. You know, I'll, I'll watch this game anyway and be very happy watching it because it's going to be very entertaining. Uh, so I'm not going to put uh, I'm not going to touch this game because I'll be afraid of, uh, yeah, I'll do the over and it'll be 17-10. Right. Yeah, one of those things. But uh, I can't see that. I think uh, everybody eats here. Uh, really, fantasy-wise, who aren't you starting? Kelsey, Watkins, Hill, Hunt, they all go. Mahomes obviously goes. Brady, Edelman, Gronk. I know he's been disappointing. Believe me, I know he's costing me weeks. Uh, so I think it comes down to Hogan and Gordon. Really, the only two guys I can make it, I can talk about here are Hogan and Gordon. Hogan, uh, I'm... Really, I'd like to see what else I have in my roster. Probably leaning no, but if you can't start him in this game, then he has to go. Then he's purely just depth. He's not somebody you're ever going to consider because everyone eats in this game. But uh, I don't think Brazen will look his way all that much. Gordon is in my lineup. Uh, not that I expect huge things from him, but he did get the touchdown last week. I do think that was more of a Brazen just heaving it up and seeing what happens throw yep. more than anything else. Uh, I don't think that was really a great play there, but uh, Gordon goes for me here. I think he'll get more integrated into the offense. I think I just think there's going to be plenty of balls in the air here. Michelle goes. Uh, James White goes. I, I, I James White is a start for me every week. I, I I know that people like to like to get really freaked out about Belichick, but White's just been such a, a big part of that pass game that I, I don't see him having a an unsafe floor. I'm not on Gordon. That you mentioned Gordon and Hogan are the two guys I sort of check marked here as potential non plays. And we talked about it last week. That play on Thursday night was a fluke in my eyes. Yeah, like you can talk about the trust factor, but Brady heaved it. Gordon went and got it, and that's great. But I don't think it's indicative of any sort of thought process or or ability here uh, by 
Josh Gordon and Tom Brady to connect. I think this is a Gronk game. I think James White is going to have his. Um, Edelman, you know, fine. Uh, and then Kansas City, let's start them all. It's it's going to be a fun one. It's going to be uh, it's good that it's Sunday night. I'm glad that it's on an island, a game that uh, we can sit down and watch and enjoy on its own and uh, lots of points. And I mean it. If you're not a fan of touchdowns, if you if you want to watch defensive football, your time may have passed. Uh, your your time may be over. Uh, where. Defense is a different game these days. I know people decry and say, oh, it's going to be flag football eventually. It very well may be. It very well over time may morph into something closer to flag football than it is what we have today. It's a brutal sport. Lots of people get injured. But the NFL clearly changing the rules to, to amp up the offense and let the quarterbacks uh, become really the focus of the league uh, as we move forward. George, quickly here, uh, some of your top plays uh, that you're looking at from a, a DFS perspective. Um, we had the poll in the first hour about favorite GPP quarterback. Jameis Winston won that. Um, what, do you, what do you got? Who are some of the guys uh, at quarterback? Why don't you run down? Do the whole uh, gamut here. Quarterback, uh, running back, and wide receivers. Who are some of the names that you have uh, uh, on, on, on your list for this week? Well, I think it's hard not to look at the uh, the high scoring games, right? I mean, I like Winston. I do. You know, I think he's going to. Uh, I think he's going to do well. To put it nicely, uh, this season. I think now that he's back, I said he he was fine in preseason. I mean, he was just fine in preseason. Uh, he obviously had got suspended. That set him back here, but he was still doing good in this offense as well. So I think Wilson's going to have uh, a nice game here. Uh, I think Ryan does as well. So I think it's a game you can go either way here. Now, Ryan did have the foot injury last week and came out. Okay, so that could be uh, something, I guess, to keep an eye on here. But he's apparently he's fine here. If you want to go cheaper, Andy Dalton, although I do have some hesitation there with Dalton. I can see going with Derek Carr against Seattle. But it's, I don't like this game being in, uh, in you mentioned Wembley Stadium in England. Not a big fan here. Uh, so I think I might stay away from that for that reason. Uh, I thought about going really cheap, go with Sam Donald. I thought about it, but well, this could be a run game for them. So uh, I'm not going to quite go down that list. And once again, if you want to spend on Mahomes, want to spend on Brady, I, I can't blame you there either. I am uh, on uh, Winston, but probably fading him a bit more in tournaments because I think he's going to be high-owned. Uh, Ryan, obviously, in play. I like these 55 and 5,700 quarterbacks. Uh, Russell Wilson, Baker Mayfield, even some San Darnold down there at 5,300. Running backs, quickly, I think you have tons of options here. As always, Gurley at 10K is tough to get to, but obviously has some major upside in the snow game there. Melvin Gordon against Cleveland. I love uh, Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen, probably leaning Tariq Cohen a bit more uh, in that matchup. And uh, George made the point earlier, if um, Isaiah Crowell can't go, I think Bilal Powell has to be uh, up for consideration. Running backs for you, George? I think Marshawn Lynch is going to score tomorrow. Like I said, this this is a, uh, a revenge game of somewhat him playing at Seattle. So I, 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 I'm funny it hard to believe he doesn't get in the end zone tomorrow. So he's of somebody I'm certainly uh, on the eye on, on uh, thinking about. If you need to, uh, if you want to go heavy, you know, in every other position, you need a real cheap running back. Edo Smith is getting his carries. He's getting no Freeman tomorrow. He's going to get his carries. Might get in the end zone here. I can see going cheap with him just so I could save money to spend on what Antonio Brown or Mike, whatever you want to spend money on. I could see you doing that. Uh, I, I can absolutely see that, actually. Now, it wouldn't shock me if, the, if that's in play here. I'm not going to pay for Dalvin Cook, even though I think this is a week he will uh, do some damage here. I love what you said about Powell if Crowell is out, and that's a big if there. Uh, we don't know what's uh, we don't know that yet. Yeldon is someone I might look at here, but I think that's uh, 
I think you said it perfectly earlier. That's a volume game. Because of how many touches they're going to get, they'll do some damage here. Obviously, if you want to pay up for James White, you want to pay up for uh, Kareem Hunt as well, I can see that as well. Uh, let's close it out with some wide receivers. Obviously, the talent at the top when you have Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, uh, Thielen uh, against Arizona, perhaps, depending on who matches up against Peterson. Uh, Julio Jones at 7,900 is going to be part of my plans. Juju Smith-Schuster. All these guys are going to uh, be a part of uh, my consideration. Uh, getting cheaper for guys that I do think are in good spots. Uh, Mohamed Sanu is somebody I'll, I'll ride with each and every week. Uh, not only because of the Rutgers connection, but I think he goes under-owned because of Ridley at present. Um, and then you throw into the mix a Nunwa. Robbie Anderson has a home run uh, possibility. Don't have many cheap, cheap guys this week, sub 4K. Uh, but if I do, I'll, I'll tweet them out later uh, in the day. George, what are some of the wide receivers uh, that you think are in for big days? Oh, every week we we know they're gonna be wide receivers. We don't, I'm not gonna go through the high ones. Your Pittsburghs, your, your Falcons, Buccaneers, those guys. We know they're going to uh, do some damage here. I imagine I'm I'm staying away from Diggs. Uh, I think that's. I just wonder if Peterson's gonna follow him all around the place. So I'm gonna stay away from Diggs there. I just don't see big things coming here. I just I just really worry about that. Uh, Cooper's 5200. If you believe that every other week theory, you mentioned uh, Russell Wilson. Well, if I'm gonna go Wilson, I'm probably gonna double up and go Lockett as well. 5100 on uh, DraftKings. I, I'm just going to think that uh, Lockett gets free, and he does seem to get free sometimes and hit those big games. Uh, Robbie Anderson's 4600. I think I almost have to go Anderson or Inunua because I think the Jets are going to be able to throw the ball here. Uh, Anderson's more of the big play, but I'll say those targets just aren't there for me yet. Uh, so I'm a little worried there. Rodgers, same game. Chester Rodgers, 4,500. He's someone I'm going to have to look at here. One person I, I guarantee is going to be in a lot of my lineups. I love the Tampa Bay Atlanta game. I think points, points are going to be put up on the board there. Godwin, 4,400. I like it. I think that's a game that uh, obviously a lot of people are going to target, but he may be a little bit off uh, the main stacks you see from that one. Cameron Brait at tight end is somebody I will own with the idea O.J. Howard uh, could be in the lineup, though. It does uh, scare you off a a tiny bit. Tight end's tough, but uh, you can always tune in to FNTSY the rest of the day. College football today coming up at the top of the hour. Tomorrow, coverage all day long. Getting ready for and covering NFL week number six. George and I are done for today. We'll be back with you next week on Fantasy Sports Today, the Saturday edition. As always, find George on Twitter at George Kurtz. Find me at Dan Stratford and FNTSY. You can find that at FNTSY Radio. It's been a pleasure to be here talking about week number six. Hope you guys enjoyed. We'll be back next week on Fantasy Sports Today.